Come on back, come on back. I'm actually re-uploading or redoing the previous episode on Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4. I'm going to be coming from The Voice in Ephesians 2 and the Passion Translation, Ephesians 4. And I felt like I needed to redo it because it was a little lengthy. And I just needed to drive the point home for this episode. So I'm going to get straight to it. I received an experience and a vision about seven years ago. And one thing that came out of that, that whole thing was a war within the camp. So I want us to prepare ourselves for what has already been here, but also what's coming that any discourse that you're about to hear that's contrary to Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 2, that causes us to not see each other as family. And I'm talking about those of us who are in the body of Yeshua. And it's vast. It's a large body. It's a huge body. It's not just for Jew. It's not just for Hebrews. It's not just for those who are of the loins of Abraham. It is for the world. You see, that's what makes Yahweh Yahweh. That's what makes him God, because Satan did not know this. Satan just thought, and the demonic world just thought, just like the Pharisees, which is why Yeshua called them brood of vipers. You are the sons, you are the children, you are the seed of your father. That's why he said that to them. You think like your father. Your father is chief snake. Your father is chief serpent. The great dragon is also another name for Satan. You think like your father. And one of the things the Pharisees said was, we are the sons of Abraham. We are safe. Well, you know, there are a lot of people going around today with all their theologies and all their religions. They're saying this, they're saying that, they're saying, I am of this and I am of that. And and let me tell you, and we're going to read this real soon in Ephesians 4, there's one God, there's one faith, there's one baptism. We are one, we're united. And I want to tell you something, if you're contradicting what Yeshua died for, not only came, if you're contradicting what he died for, what his blood paid for, what he went through hell, literally descended into the pit, the bottomless pit, what he descended for to get back the authority for us to live together as one. If you're contradicting that and you're fighting against that, you are warring against a vengeful God, a God of wrath. And that is what scripture says in Hebrews. And you do not want to war against the God of war. Now, let me tell you something. We don't see Yahweh as the God of war. We hailed that as some Greek god or some Roman god or some Norse god or whatever, some mythological gods. But nah, he is the god of war, the emphasis, italicize. He is the god of war. You need to understand this. So anything that's contrary, any diction, any theology, any discourse that's coming to disunify us, that's coming to disjoin us. And one of the chief things that does that is offense. That's why we have to get rid of every bitter root of offense. And it's especially here in the United States of America. If we keep allowing the open wounds to not heal and for them to be reopened and reopened and for them never to heal because we keep getting offended. You see, that's why Yeshua told Peter, you keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving. Oh, but it keeps coming back to your mind. Keep forgiving and forgive again and forgive again and forgive again because I forgave you and I'm forgiving you. 
Keep forgiving because it disempowers the enemy. You know the revelation that the Spirit of God gave me? Every time we keep practicing forgiveness whenever the enemy wants to come and sting us with offense and cause offense to fester and live in us like bacteria or mold growing in an environment, the remedy for that is to forgive because if we continue to forgive, Soon, the forgiveness will amplify and weed out that offense to the point to where we have completely forgiven and that offense no longer has a place to a, that. Excuse me. The accuser no longer has a place to cause an offense to even be a temptation. It's eradicated. It's completely eradicated. Now, it's twofold. You have forgiven And now you receive a reward. You are forgiven. Amen. Now take this nationally because nations hang in the balance, especially the nation of the United States of America. Our nation is rooted in offense. It's rooted in trauma of hurt, of injustices. And we nationally We nationally have to come to a place of understanding Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4. So you want to be careful. You want to be circumspect. You want to be discerning, distinguishing, and wise about what is about to arise and what has arisen with war in the camp. War within the camp. Understand Cain and Abel. Understand even Jacob and Esau. Jacob, man, that guy was a rascal. In the belly. In the belly, he was a rascal, sold his brother, acted just as Satan would, acted as the accuser, but God had a better plan for Jacob. So we want to make sure that we're not acting. It happened even with the Edomites. The Edomites are of the bloodline of Israel, and they followed their father Esau. And they assailed Israel time and time again until they got cursed by God severely. So we want to make sure that war is not within the camp or that's called not only insurrection, it's called implosion. You see, Satan would love nothing more but to implode for us to implode from within. And that's what's going on in the spirit. That's why what's going on in the natural in this nation is going on. We're seeing an implosion in the natural in the borders within this nation because there is an implosion and an insurrection in the spirit within the sons of God. There's war within the camp. We're not unified. So what do we do? We come to the table, people of God. 2021 was a time for us to come into his holy habitation, into the house of God, all as sons and daughters, as children of God, as take, okay, take the Christianity out of it. Look at yourselves as biological siblings, as biological siblings under one household. What would you do? You would would good parents. You would come together. You would eat together. You would dine together. You fuss, you fight. But a good parent or good parents would tell you they would sit you down at the table, resolve your issues, talk about your issues. My mother and father told my sister and me, you share, you look after one another. You don't fuss, you don't fight. That 
that's what good parents do. And that's what the good, good father, the good shepherd of the sheep, that's what he does with us. That's what he expects from us. We reconcile our differences. We don't perpetuate our differences. We don't segregate. We don't form groups. We don't form alliances. We don't form cults out of offense, out of anger, out of injustices. We let God, the God of wrath and the God of vengeance avenge us. And he is our justice. He's our recompense. He will repay We come to a place of understanding that the great mystery, the great plan, what Yeshua died for, we don't make a mockery of his death. The blood, the blood that was shed, that cried out forgiveness for you and for me and for the world. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Go back to the podcast of last year around June. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Guys, we have to learn how to live in forgiveness. It's tough. It's one of the toughest things. That's why it was the first thing we were to understand in this decade, 2020. The good news is, you see, there's always good news. We get a redo. We get a redo. It's going to look a little different, but we get a redo. Glory to God. We get a redo of anything we've missed. It's just like if any of the priests missed Passover during a certain period of time, they got a chance to come do it again. You got a chance to come to the table again. You got a chance to come to celebrate and join in Passover again. So we get a do-over to do it well again. And people of God, sons of God, sons of God in the United States of America, let's get it right this time. Let's learn unity. We look different. We sound different. We talk different. We act different. We are different. The body of Christ is different. It was meant to be that way. It was never meant to be just Hebrews. Even amongst the 13 sons, including Joseph's two sons, so 15, so there were 13 sons. I know that we combine, so Issachar was, uh, um, not Issachar, excuse me, Levi was placed in between the tribes and given so we put Joseph in there, but if we really want to look at it, it was 15. Jacob took Joseph's two sons as his own. I mean, we can look at that all so many different ways, but all those sons and grandchildren of Jacob, they all had different personalities. They all had different wives and they all had different colors because Jacob had different intimacy with different women. Has anybody ever thought of that before? Hello. And they all had different personalities and their tribes were characterized by different things. And that was God's plan all along. It was never meant to be just one people of God. It was never just God is too big and too vast just to be bland or just to be black and white. There are absolutes. There are definitives. There are boundary lines. There are black and white things. 
But there are some things that are limitless and there are some things that are also colorful and creative about God, abounding, high, exalted, that we don't even understand. And these are some of those things. So we have to come to a place of understanding our brother. Some of them are wrinkled. Some of them are silver hair. Some of them are sucking their thumb. Some of them are crawling. Some of them don't even know their, where their next meal are coming from. Some of them are poor college students. Some of them just had their first baby. Some of them just bought their houses. Some of them are down on their look. It is a variegated body. And glory to God, because that's what you that was the glorious plan that was kept from Satan in the kingdom of darkness, because that was the master strategy that was going to disempower and break the bondage of yoke against the powers of darkness, because Satan is an idiot. Satan is not a strategist. I said it and the kingdom of darkness. They're idiots as well. Yahweh is a master strategist. And the plan, the glorious plan, the mystery that was revealed by the apostles, the mystery that Paul so eloquently and illustriously revealed, Jew and Gentile, all people, all people who would come unto Yeshua, all people who would come. You see, I I can't wrap my head around two scriptures Matthew 28 and Mark 16, because if scripture was just for Israel and if scripture was just for a certain people group and if scripture was just for a certain color and if scripture was just for a certain type, what about go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations in my name, preaching the gospel, filling them with my word? Oh, by the way, I am the word. I am the Torah. In the beginning was the word of God and the word of God and the word of God. And he was the word of God and the word of God was with God. He spoke the word. Yeshua is the word. The Torah is the word. It all Yeshua lived, incarnated the word because he is the word. Yeshua breathed the word onto the disciples. Yeshua said, go and make disciples in my name, filling them with my word, with me to the nations. God's house is too vast and too big just for one people group, just for the likes of Father Abraham. That's what he was telling the brood of vipers. It's not just about Abraham. Paul even had to say this to certain people as well. So what? Who comes to you? Doesn't matter who sows or who plants. It does not matter. God reaps the harvest. It doesn't matter who does this or who does that. Who looks like this? Who looks like that? Let me tell you something. A lot of what we have going on and what is at the root of this specific nation, what we're going to have to learn to overcome is we, we must. God requires love in this nation. And that's one of the hardest things for us to do as a nation, not individuals, not states, not you know people groups, as a nation. That's what we need to do. And one of the things that we get there, how we learn to love is forgiveness. We're good at so many other things. We're good at excelling. We're good at warfare. We are great in so many other areas, United States of America. But we fail at loving one another. We fail at forgiveness. 
And that's where we go. So we look to the areas where we need to forgive. And it starts in Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4. I'm reading from The Voice and from the Passion Translation. I'm going to read the entire chapter of Ephesians 2. As for you, don't remember how you used to exist. Corpses, dead in life, buried by transgressions, wandering the course of this perverse world. You were the offspring of the prince of the power of the air. Oh, how he owns you just as he still controls those living in disobedience. I'm not talking about the outsiders alone. We were all guilty of falling headlong for the persuasive passions of this world. We all have our fill of indulging the flesh and mind, obeying impulses to follow perverse thoughts motivated by dark powers. As a result, our natural inclinations led us to be children of wrath, just like the rest of humankind. But God, with the unfathomable richness of his love and mercy, focused on us, united us with the anointed one, and infused us with lifeless, our lifeless souls with life. Even though we were buried under mountains of sin and saved by his grace, he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly realms with our beloved Jesus, the anointed, the liberating king. He did this for a reason. So that all of eternity, we will stand as a living testimony to the incredible riches of his grace and kindness that he freely gives to us by uniting us with Jesus, the anointed. For it's by God's grace that you have been saved. You receive it through faith. It was not our plan or our effort. It is God's gift, pure and simple. You didn't earn it. None of us did. So don't go around bragging that you must have done something amazing. For you are a product of his hand, heaven's poetry etched on lives, created in the anointed Jesus to accomplish the good works God arranged long ago. So never forget how you used to be. Those of you born as outsiders to Israel were outcasts, branded the uncircumcised by those who born the sign of the covenant in their flesh, a sign made with human hands. You had absolutely no connection to the anointed. You were strangers separated from God's people. You were aliens to the covenant they had with God. You were hopelessly stranded without God in a fractured world. But now, because of Jesus, the anointed and his sacrifice, all of that has changed. God gathered you who were so far away and brought you near to him by the royal blood of the anointed, our liberating king. He is the embodiment of our peace sent once and for all to take down the great barrier of hatred and hostility that has divided us so that we can be one. If you're following along, the first verses were about the Jews. And then verses 11 through 13 were about the non-Jews. And then verses 14 through 15 are about us being one. That was the glorious plan. Unity. Any diction any discourse, any theology, any teaching that is contrary to Ephesians 2, the one new man, a unified body, it is not the plan of Most High God. And you need to check it and check the presenter and check where that's coming from.
He offered his body on the sacrificial altar to bring an end to the laws, ordinances, and dictations that separated Jews from the outside nations. His desire was to create in his body one new humanity from two opposing groups, thus creating peace. I decree peace right now in the United States of America. I decree peace amongst the people groups in this nation in the name of Yeshua, according to Ephesians chapter two. There shall be peace and unity amongst Jew and Gentile. There shall be peace within the house of Yahweh. I command it in the name of Jesus. Verse 16, effectively, the cross becomes God's means to kill off hostility once and for all so that he is able to reconcile them both to God in this one new body. The great preacher of peace and love came for you and his voice found those of you who were near and those of you who were far away. By him, both have access to the father in one spirit. And so you are no longer called outcasts and wanderers, but citizens with God's people, members of a holy family and residents of his household. You are being built on a solid foundation. The message of the prophets and the voices of God's chosen emissaries, those are apostles, with Jesus, the anointed himself as the precious cornerstone. The building is joined together stone by stone, all of us chosen and sealed in him, rising up to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are being built together, created a sacred dwelling place among you where God can live in the spirit. God can live among us as one. Ephesians 4, Passion Translation, verse 2, starting out with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another. Forgiveness, especially toward those who may try your patience. Ooh, I had that happen to me today, actually. And you know what I did? I humbled myself. Every time pride tries to rise up and what precedes anger is pride because it's all outside of the realm of honor and love. You humble yourself. So whatever is trying to aim to try your patience, you clothe yourself in gentleness and generosity, which are the fruit of the spirit. And you remember whose you are and who's living inside of you. And in that moment, you abide. In that instant, you abide and you will have victory. Verse three, be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. There's peace again. The whole point of it all, the whole point of Yeshua, his death, uniting that barrier that was causing a divide was to command peace. And now in Ephesians four, Paul is saying to Ephesus, he is saying you are joined in harmony through Holy Spirit by the bonds of peace. So whatever or wherever or whenever there is not peace within the camp, in the household of Yahweh, we need to check where it's at. Is it starting with us? That's a great place to start. That's a great bar barometer for us to look at. Where have I missed it? Where have I not humbled myself? 
Where have we not humbled ourselves in this house, in this group, in this state, in this portion of the country? Because remember, we're talking about the nation of the household of the United States of America under Yahweh. This is not just about one group or one individual people. This is about the nation now. This is for the nations. So you take this and you apply it to your nation and the root iniquity that is in your nation. And you apply it there. But you need to listen to this as well, because this is not just about the United States of America. And it's not just about one root iniquity. This is for the nations. God is drawing and planning a one new man that is unified. And if we can't put aside that there are people who are darker than us, there are people who are lighter than us, there are people who can sing, there are people who can't sing, there are people who can dance, there are people who are brilliant. I mean, you have people who, I mean, they just have the mind of Christ. Hello, he's a brilliant God. So he made brilliant people. Stop hating on people who are brilliant. Let them use their brilliance. There are people who are not so brilliant. That doesn't mean that they're oafish. They're just not brilliant. There are all sorts of types of people in his household. Let the expressions be expressed. That was another aspect of 2021. A freedom of expression was supposed to flow in his house. We were supposed to be able to be free to express who we are without penalty or without judgment to explore the gifts and talents and the expressions God has placed within us. And there still be peace among us. Verse four, being one body and one spirit, as you were all called in the same glorious hope of divine destiny for the Lord God is one God. And so we are for we share in one faith, one baptism and one father. I said this in the beginning and I'm going to say it again. There is one faith. There is one Lord. There is one father. There is one baptism, one faith, one baptism, one father. There's not multiple. If you hear any discourse, any teaching that is contrary to this, you need to check it and you watch it. You watch for these groups and these alliances that are forming that are contrary to the unity and the bonds of peace and the commandment of peace of unity that Yeshua died for. The heavy price, the weightiness, the weighty price he paid for. Verse 22, and he has taught you to let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that has been given to you and be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within your new life and live in union with him. For God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness and you now belong to him in the realm of of true holiness. So discard every form of dishonesty and lying so that you will be known as one who always speaks the truth for we all belong to one another. I pray you're blessed. I pray you're edified. I pray you will go forward knowing and understanding that in his house, there are many nations. There are many peoples. He broke tore down, separated 
the dividing line between Jew and Gentile, between those who were far away, between those who the Torah was given to and those who it wasn't given to. That's why Yeshua came, for those who were far away, for those who were yet to come, for those who needed a Savior who didn't know they needed one. He came for them. He came to disempower and break the yoke of Satan, of that bondage, to bring light to the darkness and to use us as the manifold wisdom weapon the sons of God, the unified ones, those of us who are bound in peace. Be blessed.